Good morning. Um, would you, if you have a Bible, open, follow. I believe it's on the wall as well. And enjoy the word of the Lord this morning. Um, from Genesis 18, 1 through 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, I have found, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can re be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. From Genesis 21, one to seven. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Thanks be to God. All right, it's good to be with you all again. Uh, Sarah Jane, thank you. I, I really appreciate just naming the difficulty of that the situation with home, uh, facing the situation with homelessness, um, you ministered to me in, in just in that honesty. So thank you for that. Um, and then secondly, you all don't know how good you have it with an organization. We don't. You all may not realize how good we have it with an organization like Hope for San Diego. I've I've been in four cities. I've been a pastor in four different cities, uh, and this is a really rare thing to have. Uh, so Susie, thank you for uh, for leading that. All right, let me pray. Let's jump into God's word. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have 
to, uh, to meditate and, and consider together the story of uh, our mother, Sarah. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would please help us uh, today as we hear the story, as we consider what you're teaching us through your word, as we see the gospel unfold uh, in Sarah's life in this particular episode. Help us to see the gospel unfold for ourselves as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, so uh, to reorient us, we've had a couple weeks off. Uh, we've been working our way through a series on the life of Abraham and Sarah. And the reason that we've been doing that is because we want to ask this question, what does it look like to walk by faith? What does it look like when God gives you promises, when God calls you to do certain things, and yet the path is not entirely clear? Uh, and the reason that we're doing that is because you know, I've, you know, now that I've been here for almost a year, uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, almost a year ago, uh, I came and preached to you all, uh, and you and you and you you accepted me. Thank you. Um, uh, but, you know, we've been almost here for a year, and so now we really are at the point where we're having to figure out, like, what is God calling us to? Uh, and, and the way is not clear yet, uh, but we walk by faith, and we, we seek to follow the Lord in the steps that he is leading us. And so some of the themes that we've seen so far in the life of Abraham, we've seen that worship is central to Abraham and Sarah uh, in, in the way that they've interacted with the Lord. Uh, we have seen success and we have seen failure. We've seen some pretty colossal failures in the life of Abraham and Sarah, and yet they come back to the Lord. Uh, and what we see today uh, is this snapshot of the gospel. So if you're, um, you know, if you're new to Harbor City, if you're new to, you know, the kind of the, the, the tradition of the church that we are, that we situate ourselves in, you know, we, we talk often about the gospel. So the gospel is this good news uh, of what God has done and is doing in the person of Jesus. And our conviction is that the gospel uh, is found throughout the pages of both the Old and the New Testament. And that as we look at stories in the Old Testament, different aspects of this good news of what God, from the Old Testament perspective, would eventually do from the New Testament perspective, what he's already done, uh, find themselves all over scripture. And, and in Sarah's, in this particular episode of Sarah, when we bring these two stories together, which are separated by, by a chapter and a half, when we bring these, or two chapters, when, when we bring these stories together, what we, what we see is a really beautiful representation of what the gospel is. And so that's what we're gonna consider today Hence the title of the sermon, The Gospel According to Sarah. Not to, uh, well, just it's the gospel according to Sarah. Now, what we're going to see here uh, is four, four aspects of the story of Sarah at this particular point. But in, but in order for us to jump into it, let's do a little bit of backtracking. Because there, there's, there's one really important thing we have to remember. Uh, this will be... Review for some of us, it will be new for some of us, but we have to understand that Sarah has been unable to have a child. Uh, and, in, and in her particular culture, this would have been the source of great shame. Uh, in fact, in the Old Testament, the word that is, is used on a couple of occasions uh, is the word barren. And that word seems harsh. Um, and, and it is harsh, but there's something about using that word even for us today. The harshness of it helps us to, to come a step 
closer to understanding the pain and the shame and the sorrow and also the frustration, the anger, the bitterness that possibly was dwelling inside Sarah's heart. Uh, And so here, God shows up to Sarah. And what we're going to see is four things. We're going to see, first of all, the good news of God's presence. Secondly, the good news of God's promise. Second, the thirdly, the good news of God's perception of Sarah. He can see inside of her heart. And then finally, when we look at the story of Isaac's birth, the good news of God's provision. All right, so the story starts off. Uh, Abraham and Sarah are, uh, have set up their, their mobile tents uh, near the Oaks of Mamre. Now, um, if you are reading the story all the way through, a little light may go off uh, because we've been here before. This is where Abraham uh, and Sarah had previously set their tents up, and here they built an altar to the Lord. And so immediately as a reader, uh, we're, we're being cued, hey, there, there, there's some kind of divine uh, expectation happens for us here in this particular geographical location. So Abraham, it's a hot day. Abraham's hanging out at his tent. The tents would have been uh, ones probably not too dissimilar, you know, like, you know, pop-up tent. You can, like, put the sides up uh, so that the cool breeze could go in. You know, San Diego, we know that. If you're out in the sun, it's hot. If you're in the shade, it's cool. Probably very similar to that in many respects. Uh, So it's the hot part of the day. Now, kids, uh, when, when when someone's coming over to the house, what do your parents ask you to do, right? Uh, Possibly hey, go clean up your toys, right? Uh, Possibly go clean up your room. Maybe if someone's going to be sleeping in your room, you know, you got guests or family coming in from out of town and they need to use your your bedroom. Hey, go clean up your room, right? Help me clean up the kitchen. Help me do the dishes. Uh, And the reason that we do those kinds of things is because we want to have a a, a welcoming presence when people come uh, to our homes, Well, it it was very similar back in Abraham's days. So the story starts off, they're singing, they're hanging out in their tent, and three three men show up. We know immediately, we're told at the beginning that this is the Lord. Abraham is going to discover this as the story unfolds. Uh, So these three men show up, and immediately Abraham jumps up and says, hey, stay here, let me feed you, rest for a little bit, let me wash your feet. Let me, let me make you feel as welcome as you can before you continue on your way. So, now, so, you know, for us today, I mean, that would be like Abraham would go, you know, hey, um, bake a pie. Go make something. The, the amount of bread that Sarah makes is actually like a lot of bread. Uh, he goes to one of his farmers and he says, kill the fatted calf. So that's the choice animal, right? That's like, that's the special occasion animal. Uh, If you are familiar with the New Testament story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son returns, the animal that's killed is the fatted calf. Get the the, the juiciest meat. So that's like going to Sepulveda and Golden Hill and being like, can I get your biggest tri-tip? Can I get four nice juicy ribeyes, right? You, you You get what I'm saying? Like this is, we're throwing a party here and these are strangers, but this is what Abraham, this is what would have been done in the culture. And that's important. Footnote that. Can I just put a pin in that? Because this setup is going to be important in a couple of weeks when we get to Genesis 19. 
now, that's all the setup for these three men showing up. They're having their lunch. And all, in the course of the lunch or the meal that they're having, uh, the, the, the principal person of these three we know is the Lord. He says, where's Sarah? Now, we have no indication why he would know that Abraham's married, that his wife's name is Sarah. He just knows. Uh, and, and so Sarah is inside the tent at this point. Uh, and so what's happening here is really important. Like the Lord had just showed up to Abraham in chapter 17. The Lord had showed up to Abraham in chapter 15. Right? So there's already been several instances in which the Lord shows up to Abraham, but he's never actually interacted with Sarah. And so the Lord shows up here in chapter 18 because Sarah needs to hear the promise as well. Uh, it is not enough for us to have a secondhand experience of God. Uh, Tim Keller, if you know who that is, he's a, he was a pastor in New York City. He's retired now. Uh, still, still writing and, and, uh, and doing a lot of thinking for the church. Uh, he, he said this, he said, it is not enough to only know about God or even believe in general and obey in general the God you know about. You have to know God personally yourself. So think about the implication of that. Kids, think about the implication of that. You know, right now you're in church, why? Because your parents brought you. There will come a day when you have to make the decision for yourself about whether or not you're going to continue to go to church. Uh, you know, the, the, when, when you are in different, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier today about different transition periods of life. You're transitioning from high school to college, from college to the beginning of your career, or different transitions in your life. All of us as adults, right? It is easy for us to go to church because that's just what you do. That's just what your family has done. Uh, it is easy to kind of go through the rhythms and what, Part of what I think God is doing here is that the good news of the gospel is that God says, I don't want you to know about me. I want you to know me. And he does that for Sarah by showing up. And when we come to the New Testament, what we see is that God does the same thing for us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, as John is, is giving us this uh, really uh, beautiful introduction to the story of Jesus, and, he's, and he's, um, he's developing this theological theme of God's presence, he says, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, we have seen his glory. The glory is the only one of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that word dwell uh, is, is a particularly really interesting word because it's the word for tabernacle. It's the word for, for God's holy tent that was set up and weren't with the people. So, so Jesus is the one in whom the presence of God shows up. So, so the good news for Sarah is that God makes his presence known to her because she needs to have not a secondhand experience of God, but a firsthand experience of God. And the good news for you and me, the gospel, is that God shows up for you and me, and he does that through Jesus. All right, so that's step one. Step two, then, in this unfolding of the gospel for Sarah is pr the promise. So verses 1 to 8, if you have your Bible open, you see in verses 1 to 8, you've got this, the setup of the meal. And then in verse 9 is where the Lord says, okay, where is Sarah? And he begins to tell the promise. He says, I will surely return. He's still speaking to Abraham at this point, but he's, 
He knows Sarah is listening, and, we, and we'll see why in a second. Um, and I don't know why he doesn't address her directly at this point. I actually, like, I've considered this question. I like, I have no clue why he's not addressing her directly at this particular point. But he says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent which was behind him. So here's the scene. So, you know, the tent is behind him. The, this, uh, this divine guest, the Lord, uh, would have been reclining on the floor more than likely. They're eating their meal. So he's having this delicious bread. He's having, you know, this, this uh, delicious meat. Um, and, and they're eating together. And in the course of their conversation, he asks, where's Sarah? Um, and Sarah's in the tent. And, and he says, all right, by the time that I come, I'm going to come back. And by the time that I come back, uh, Sarah will have a son. At this point, Abraham's bells are, are absolutely ringing. Okay, you're not just anybody, right? This is the Lord. Uh, and so he makes this promise so that Sarah can hear. Because up until this point, what's been going on? The Lord's talking to Abraham. And then Abraham, I believe, Abraham's going back to Sarah and saying, hey, this is what God told me. Um, but Sarah's... 90 years old at this point. The first promise was made 25 years ago. You know, at some point, she's like, Abraham, you're full of it. You know, this is nuts. Nothing's happening. And so God comes. Now, the, so the good news of the gospel for Sarah, the good news for Sarah is that God makes a promise to her. The good news for us is that God makes all kinds of promises to us. Um, a, a, um, I had to pick. <laughs> there are so many promises, right? There's so many promises that God gives us in his word that we literally could be here for 45 minutes. I'd just be rattling off this promise, this promise, this promise. I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. Um, but here's one promise that he made for us specifically in Jesus. John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So God makes his presence known through Jesus, but Jesus didn't just come in order to be like, hey, I'm here, right? He comes for a very specific purpose in order for God to be able to make a promise to you and to me that through him, we can have this abundant and eternal life, that we can have through him salvation, this is this good news. This is the continuation of the promises. He starts with Sarah. He starts before Sarah, but he continues with Sarah and he continues down to us. This is part of the good news. Now, the third thing that we see in this passage is the good news of God's perception. So we have the good news of God's presence. He shows up for Sarah. He shows up for you and me. Uh, the good news of the promise, he, he reiterates the promise for Sarah. Uh, he gives us promises and it is our privilege, our responsibility to study God's word, to understand the promises that he gives us. Uh, but next thing we see is that he, he knows Sarah, right? He, he is able to call her out. He knows her sin. Uh, so what happens is that Sarah, the Lord says, um, I'm going to return uh, in a year and Sarah will have a baby. Now, Sarah's inside the tent. Um, and this is what we read. Now, Abraham and Sarah, so, the, so there's a little bit of, a, of an authorial, the author of Genesis is giving us a little sidebar. By the way, remember that Sarah is very old. Sarah and Abraham are very old, and Sarah is no longer able to have children. 
All right, so here are two real obstacles that say, like, humanly speaking, there's no way. This is not possible, right? Sarah is no longer physically capable of having children. And so we don't, you, you can't blame Sarah, right? At this point, you can't, you can't fault her when she's like, no, that's not happening, right? And, and probably that audibly, right? Inside her heart, she's laughing. What kind of laugh do you think that is? Laughter of joy? You know, there's kind of different kinds of laughter. You know what I'm talking about? There's that, 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 that almost like that scoffing laughter. I don't know what, I'm not saying it was a scoffing laughter, but, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't a laughter of belief, right? It, it was a laughter of, of, maybe it was a laughter of resentment. Maybe it was a laughter of bitterness. Maybe it was a laughter of sorrow and grief. And we can understand that, can't we? I mean, I'll, like, I read Sarah here and I was like, I can't, I don't, I can't fault her in this because I know my own heart and I know, man, if I'd been waiting for the Lord to deliver on a promise for 25 years and he hadn't delivered, like there'd be some resentment in my heart. And the Lord turns around and says, why did Sarah laugh? Boom. Now the Lord doesn't only know that Sarah laughed. What else does the Lord know about Sarah? Right? If you've been on this journey with us in the life of Abraham and Sarah, what else does the Lord know about Sarah? He knows that Sarah isn't able to have children, but he also knows that Sarah plotted and schemed an alternative approach to find her identity in children. Right? So God said, hey, this is my plan for you. Abraham says, so this is God's plan for her. And she says, how about we do this instead? How about you take Hagar uh, and, and let's have, I can be built up. Remember the language she used? I can be built up through my servants. I'm going to find my identity in her ability to have children. Did that work? No, not at all. Uh, and so, so not only is, is Sarah uh, guilty of sinning against the Lord, by plotting and scheming and trying to deviate from his path. But then to add insult to injury, she is sinning against the Lord in her treatment of Hagar. Remember how she treated Hagar? It was so bad that a pregnant woman fled into the desert in order to get away. Like that's bad, right? The Lord knows that about Sarah too. Uh, and he knows this particular moment of unbelief. Now, it might seem like, man, you're being awful harsh on Sarah. Well, I, maybe, but I'm being harsh on me too because this is me too, right? This is us. And, and so the Lord calls out Sarah and he says, why did Sarah laugh? He says to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything too difficult for God? I'm telling you that by the time that she, I come here next year, you will have a child. And what does Sarah do? I didn't laugh. And, and it's, I mean, it's like, uh, if you have your Bible open, like, look at this, right? The last part of this scene, it's like, boom. The last part of the scene, you did laugh. And then we move to a different part of the story. I mean, the Lord like lovingly lays the smack down on her 
And here's the thing, right? That he's doing that because he knows where she is right now. And he is lovingly calling her out on her sin so that she can move forward. So here's, Chad and I were having a conversation this past week. Uh, and uh, we're talking about how easy it is for us to, you know, to, to say, you know, here's the good, here are the good people, and there are the bad people, right? Uh, and so good people are people who think like me, uh, who have the same political ideology that I do, that maybe they, they, they have the they, uh, they, um, uh, same race or ethnicity as I do, uh, same social values as I do, uh, and that's the good, Right? And then the bad are those people who are not of the same political persuasion, don't hold the same social values, have a different race or ethnicity, blah, 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 blah. And what the gospel does is it inverts that. This is Chad. I'm quoting Chad, by the way. If I could, you know, if I quote different people, I'm quoting Chad right now. What the gospel does is it inverts that. Uh, and it says, God is good. Mark 10, uh, 10 13, uh, only God is good, Jesus says. God is good, and we are all like Sarah. And the Lord knows that. And that's good news. You might be like, that doesn't sound good news. It absolutely is good news. And the reason that it is good news is because of the promise that we saw in the last point, right? God loved the world, and he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that leads us then to the last point, which is the good news of God's provision. What happens here is really fascinating. I actually I literally like made this connection, uh, something when one of the songs, I was like, oh, wait a minute, I forgot about this. So um, the story ends in chapter 18. Sarah is rebuked for her lack of faith. The Lord comes to her and points out her sin. And part of the good news is that God has to show us our need of him. But a transformation happens for her. I don't know when it happens. I don't know if it's right after this. I don't know if it's after the baby is born. But Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, looking back on this episode, says something really powerful about Sarah. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. By faith, you hear that? Faith. Does Sarah have faith at the, end of, at the end of that story in Genesis 18? I don't think so. By faith, Sarah, even who, I'm sorry, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. I could be way off on this. But let me tell you what I think happened. I think the Lord showed up to Sarah. I think the Lord iterated his promise to Sarah. I think the Lord confronted Sarah in her sin and in her unbelief. And I think that she, faith grew out of that. Did that happen before Isaac was born? Did that happen before after Isaac was born? Does not matter? <laughs> And so we come to Genesis 21, and Isaac is born, and we see the good news of God's provision. Now, um, follow along with me. If you're, if you're the kind of person that likes, likes to mark your Bible, uh, notice the word promised, or at least in the NIV version of the Bible, the word promised is really prominent. 
here. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant. Can Sarah get pregnant? No. She is not physically capable of being pregnant anymore. Sarah became pregnant and bore him a son, uh, bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time that God promised him. Back in chapter 18, when, when uh, the Lord confronts Sarah, he says, is anything impossible for God? And here we are in Genesis 21, less than a year later, and Sarah knows the answer to that question now. Nothing, nothing is impossible for God, right? And that's the good news for you and me, that nothing is impossible with God. We started the service this morning with this call to worship from Isaiah 54. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who had a husband. This is the kind of power that Yahweh has. You can say amen. It's all right. I like amens. This is the kind of power that Yahweh has. And amen? Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. All right. So now Sarah laughs. Sarah laughs. But this time, it's, it's a different kind of laughter, right? This time, it's a laughter of joy. This time, it's an Isaiah 54 kind of laughter, right? Sing. Oh, barren woman, rejoice, burst into song, shout for joy. Right? Because God delivered on his word. God made good on his promise. Sarah says, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. What's, what's, uh, what's really interesting about this, right, is there's a little bit of wordplay going on here because Isaac's name means laughter, right? So she's looking at laughter, and he's, she's saying, God brought me laughter. It's a, it's a play on words, right? He is laughter, but I have emotionally, experientially, I'm experiencing laughter. And so all of those who are with me will experience that. I think there's a, there's a play on words there as well, right? They're going to rejoice. Sarah, we're so happy for you. That's awesome. But remember who this, this isn't just any kid, right? This is the child through whom God would make good on the other promise that he made, one of the other, many other promises that he made, that he would save the world. So this is why you look at Matthew 1, 2, you look at Luke uh, 3.34, you look at those long lists of names that you never read, right? To be honest, you just kind of skip over the genealogies. But if you just look there for a second, you see Abraham, and then you see who? You see Isaac. You see laughter. God provides for Sarah a child but the good, that's the good news for her. But the good news beyond that is that through that child, God provides laughter for you and me, right? He brings good news for you and me, the good news of that promise that was back in the second point of our sermon, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, this is the good news, right? The good, and this is like, you see this theme again and again and again. God, God comes to his people. He makes promises. He calls them out on their sin and he provides salvation. He does this again and again and again. This is what we hold on to. This is what is most central and dear to our hearts. And if you're here today and you're like figuring out what is Christianity, that's it. In, in, in a nutshell, that is the message. That is the good news of what it is that we believe, that God makes his presence known. He makes his presence known to Sarah. He makes his presence known to us through Jesus. That God makes promises to Sarah. He makes promises to us through Jesus and through his word. That God, because he is able to perceive, because he's all-knowing, he is able to confront us in our sin. He doesn't come with this, you know, oh, they're so great. No, he knows just how not great we are, and yet he still comes. And he provides. What does he provide? He provides salvation. That's just the tip of the iceberg of what he provides. And so, you see, that's the good news. That's the, that's the gospel. And so walking by faith, to kind of tie this all back together, walking by faith is continually reminding ourselves of this regular pattern that the Lord uses to deal with his people. We continually remind ourselves he makes himself known to us. He makes promises to us. He calls us out in our sin and he gives us, he provides us uh, himself. That's good news. That's the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your provision of, uh, to Sarah. Uh, we thank you that you kept your word to her uh, and that you provided her with that little baby who grew up to be the uh, ancestor of Jesus. And we thank you that by being faithful to Sarah uh, and by keeping your word to her, that you also... Uh, we're able to keep your word to us and to the nations that through your son, Jesus, uh, all of the nations of the world would be blessed. Uh, and, and so, Lord, we trust in that same vein that the future promises that you make to us will also, uh, will also be kept. Uh, thank you for illustrating for us this morning through the life of Sarah, the good news, the gospel, of how it is that you work with your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.